All right. So today, I'm going to step on many, many toes. <laughs> so please forgive me beforehand. My intention is not to, uh, to be bashful, or my intention is not to be uh, contentious at all. But um, I need to just uh, speak what is in my heart, and I delayed it, and God said, speak. So um, there are, there's been so many doctrines in the church that has brought fear, upon fear, upon fear, upon fear, upon fear, upon fear, and then the fear never delivers. <laughs> How many ends of the world have you, have you survived by now? How many? Okay. So how many times did you think, oh my goodness, I was left behind, but you found everybody was still here? <laughs> right, so I'm sorry if I make a joke of it, but because I think the best way to, to just, you know, what's for work, to process this is with laughter. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, and this is, what, I, what I'm doing is I'm just submitting what I see in the scriptures and you make your decision. Right? So, um, right. So we're going to start looking at the 70 weeks of years of Daniel. Last week we looked at the, the the image and the beast and the false prophet, and we found it was all fulfilled in 70 AD with the burning down of Jerusalem. All right? So don't switch off. You haven't heard. So, but all I'm just saying is just hear out this perspective. You know, people have said, I'm not saved if I don't believe in the rapture. I don't believe in the rapture. So the Bible doesn't say you're saved if you believe in the rapture. But the Bible says you're saved if you believe in the blood of Jesus. If you believe in Jesus Christ crucified for the sin of the world, uh, if you have made him your Lord and Savior and you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. It doesn't matter which end time doctrine you... If you're saved, you know, if there's a rapture, you're going along. If there's not, then, you know, there's not. So I don't think this, the focus should be on it anyway. But there's so much fear. And now every time something, some world event happens, everyone is just freaked out again and fearing again. Okay, Jesus said in John 14, twice, let not your hearts be troubled. So let not your hearts be troubled. There's nothing coming that's going to set everything aflame. Something came that set Jerusalem aflame. It is finished. It's done. All right. So, please, before you're offended, please just hear me out. All right. Okay. So, Daniel chapter 9 is the only place in the Bible they can get a seven-day or seven-year period for a future tribulation. So, all the doctrines of a tribulation that's coming is based on this. So this is the foundational doctrine of all the doctrines that says there's a tribulation coming. So if there's a tribulation coming, then it must be in this scripture. But if this scripture doesn't say there's a tribulation coming, then there isn't a tribulation coming. 
So when this was written, there was a tribulation coming. But now, 2,000 years later, there isn't a tribulation coming. All right. So, okay, let's start here. Matthew chapter 23 and chapter 24. Have you heard anything about Matthew chapter 23 and Matthew chapter 24? Of all the destruction that's coming, and those scriptures has to be read with other scriptures in other gospels that also speaks of the same event. So I will put a few things together, and I hopefully... Hope that the picture opens up so that we can see the whole picture. All right. Let's start at the beginning of this doctrine. In 1909, Schofield wrote the Schofield Bible. And in the first edition of it, he said there will be a rebuilt temple. And in it... Animal sacrifices will be offered. So this is what they, this is the goal. That's where they want to get to. They want to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, the physical temple, and they want to sacrifice animals in it. The problem is with that is that Jesus. He said, here I am, Hebrews chapter 9, 10 verse 9, here I am coming to you, your will, O God. Thus he does away with the old as a means of expiating sin, and he establishes the new. Okay? And in accordance with this will, verse 10, Hebrews chapter 10, he says, we have been made holy through the offering made once for all, of the body of Jesus. So Jesus brought a once-for-all sacrifice. All right? So, and then he says, I think it's verse 11 or 12, he says, uh, the, the priest stands at the altar ministering. Yeah, every priest stands at the altar of service ministering, same sacrifices over and over, which never are able to strip from every side of us uh, the sins that envelop us and take away. But this Jesus, verse 12, after he had offered a single sacrifice that shall avail for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Single sacrifice. That shall avail for all time. Okay, so there, there was a sacrifice brought. Let me just write sacrifice, otherwise. Okay, there was a sacrifice, a single sacrifice that shall avail for all time. So to, after this single sacrifice that shall avail for all time, to go back to animal sacrifices in a rebuilt temple is to trample the blood of Jesus. Okay? And Hebrews 10 says it, the King James says it does despite the Spirit of Grace. Amplified says it, it outrages the Holy Spirit which imparts grace. So if we don't take the grace 
of the blood of Jesus Christ, and we think we can do something better by rebuilding a temple, then we are basically drawing a line through the cross of Jesus Christ. So this whole thing, Schofield, Larkin, and what's the other one? Darby. Three blind mice. <laughs> this whole thing is based on trying to get animal sacrifices in a physical temple back. But Jesus said, break down this temple, and in three days I will rebuild it again, speaking of his body. So did he rebuild the temple? Did he pour out his Holy Spirit on the church? Is the church the body of Christ? Is the church the temple of the Holy Ghost? Then what do you need that building for? So in Acts chapter 7, Stephen stood there. And he said, Solomon built God a temple. But God does not dwell in temples made with hands. David wanted to build a temple. Earlier in the scriptures, when David wanted to build a temple, the prophet came to him and said, you can't build a temple because you've got blood in your hands. But in Acts chapter 7, he said, you can't build a temple because you have found grace in the sight of God. So if grace is mentioned, you can't build a physical temple. All right? Okay, so to rebuild it, the temple is to go back to the old. So just, I just put that there. That's the goal. That's where they wanted to get to. Okay, let's just read Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I seen in a former vision, I had seen in the former vision, being caused to fly swiftly, came near to me and touched me about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and made me understand. He talked with me and said, O oh Daniel, I now come forth to give you skill and wisdom and understanding. So here comes, let's just, okay, here comes Gabriel. And he says, O oh Daniel, I'm here to give you skill and wisdom and understanding. And James 1 says, if anyone is deficient in wisdom, let him ask from the giving God, and he will give without reproach or fault finding. So I think it's time that the church asks for wisdom again. All right. So where are we? He instructed me and made me understand. He talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I'm now come forth to give you skill understanding. Okay. At the beginning of your prayers, the word giving an answer went forth, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved, therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. So if you can understand it, we can understand it. Seventy weeks of years, or 490 years, are decreed upon your people, upon your holy city. So there's a time period. It's a timeline. Okay? 70 weeks of years. Which means 70 times 7, which means 490 years. You with me? All right. Upon the holy city Jerusalem, to finish 
and put an end to transgressions. I need to write this down. Six points. To end transgressions. Learn over my plaque. Put an end to transgression to seal up. Okay, finish transgression. Just need Mark Lacroix to see. To finish transgression, make an end to sin. Read the King James. Point three, he says, make reconciliation for iniquity. Make reconciliation for iniquity. To bring everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. Five, to seal up the vision and prophecy. Seal up the vision. That means to fulfill it completely. And number six, to anoint the most holy. Okay. So this must happen in the 490 years. All right. Okay. So now... They say this is all a futuristic thing. So uh, there was a Jesuit priest called Francisco Ribera that first did, did it, where was it, when was it, 1585. He took, because we'll look at the descriptions now, it's 69 weeks of years, and then the last week of years, he just made a gap there and sent it down to Alta. Okay, the problem with that is this. If you read the chapter, Daniel was reading Jeremiah when the angel Gabriel appeared to him. Now, can you all hear the air conditioner with my blue eyes? Please, thanks. Okay, not the temperature, not the speed. Thanks. Anders gaan my blue eyes net koud wei. Where are we? Okay, Jeremiah. Not the bullfrog. Okay. So Jeremiah chapter 29 says the following, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and keep my good promise to you, causing you to return to this place. So he was reading that. So here comes the angel and this is the pattern, 70 years. He didn't say 69 years and another year further down the line, no one knows when. He said 70 years. So that's the pattern. So you can't break the pattern. He was, this is the context. He was reading Jeremiah. So you can't split the, the years. Okay. So he says, then you will call, uh, no, wait. 70 years are completed for Babylon. I will visit you and keep my good promise to you, causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final 
outcome. Okay, so God needed to remove the old, to bring in the new, to give us the final outcome. All right. All right, so look, let's look at the, at the six points. All right. Hebrews. Okay, let's just see it like this. Finish transgressions. John 19.34, Jesus said, it is finished. Okay? What did he die for? For your sins. Okay. All right. Hebrews chapter 9 says the following. I'm trying to be as quick as I can. Let's read from verse 21. It says, the same way he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and the sacred vessels and appliances used in divine worship. So it's Jesus entering in with his own blood. In fact, under the law, almost everything is purified by means of blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin and its guilt, nor the remission of the due and merited punishment of sins. So he had to offer the perfect sacrifice, his own blood, to make atonement for our sins. By such means, therefore, it was necessary for the earthly copies of the heavenly things to be purified, but the actual heavenly things required a far better and more noble sacrifice than these. For Christ has not entered into a sanctuary made with human hands, only a copy and a pattern and a type of the true one, but he has entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the very presence of God on our behalf. Nor did he enter into the heavenly sanctuary to offer himself regularly again and again as the high priest enters the Holy of Holies every year with blood not his own. Okay, so in the old, in the physical temple, it's never able to, to, to take from us the sins. So if they want to go back to a rebuilt temple, to a sacrifice that is not able to remove the sins that envelop us that we just read, then we're going back to the old. Jesus said he did not go regularly again, again, again. He went once for all, and he finished it. Okay? Verse 26, For then would he had often have had to suffer over and over again since the foundation of the world. But as it now is, he has put away and abolished sin by the sacrifice of himself. He appeared... Wait, I skipped a line. He has once for all at the consummation close of the ages appeared to put away and abolish sin by his sacrifice of himself. So, once for all, he came to do what? To end sin, to finish transgressions. So there you go. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 26. By his sacrifice of himself, he ended it. Okay. Make reconciliation to uh, Corinthians 5, verse 21, we, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God. It says, from verse 19, it says, uh, He has reconciled us to Himself and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we beg of you not to receive it in vain. He says, uh, uh, grab hold of the reconciliation now offered you and be reconciled to God. So He has made reconciliation. Okay. Bring everlasting righteousness. Jesus brought everlasting righteousness. Jesus is the righteousness. That's verse 21, actually. That one was more verse 18, verse 19. This one is 
Verse 21, everlasting. We have been made the righteousness. He brought a perfect sacrifice. He brought everlasting righteousness. To seal up the vision and the prophecy, in John chapter 6, he says, uh, stop searching for the food that lasts until... Uh, uh, stop searching f- uh, for the food that... Uh, perishes in the using, but strive rather for the food that lasts unto life eternal. The Son of Man will give you that, for God has sealed him. Okay, he is the one that was sealed to come and do the work of the Father. Okay, so the, he came to fulfill everything. John 5, verse 39, you search the Scriptures and the Scriptures... To, you think you have life through them, but the Scriptures testify about me, and still you would not come to me. So everything is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And to anoint the most holy, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, he said, He opened, us, opened up a fresh, new, living way for us. Through the power of the blood of Jesus, through the separating curtain, that is through His flesh. When Jesus died on that cross and He said it is finished, and he blew out his last breath. The temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, and he opened up the most holy. All six of these points have been fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Jesus did all of this. If, you're gonna, if we just want to take our religious glasses off for a second and just see Jesus in the Scriptures, we will find him. Okay, so this uh, prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 is not a futuristic prophecy. It's not something that still has to happen. It is something that came. Okay, it's already done. Okay, now, that's the six points. Bring everlasting righteousness, etc. Open, anoint the holy of holies. Verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment, to restore and to build Jerusalem until the coming of the anointed one, a prince, uh, uh, the anointed one, a prince, shall be seven weeks of years, and 62 weeks of years it shall be built again with city, square, and moat, but in troublous times. Okay, so there's, there's the date, 457 B.C., Ezra chapter 7, when King Antaxerxes of Babylon, King Antaxerxes sent Ezra the priest, and he's in Ezra chapter 7, the whole letter that King Antaxerxes sent him is there, and everything that he's going to Send back to him. And also what he said in Jeremiah chapter 29, I will send you back. Okay. So he sent back Ezra. And Hosea also you can see a, 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 a recollection of them, of the wall being rebuilt and everything. Okay. He sent him back to rebuild the temple and to rebuild Jerusalem. After the 70 years of Babylon. Well, this is somewhere in between there. Okay. So, he sent him. So, now the 70 weeks start. This starts here. That's the beginning of the prophecy. And he says, 
shall be seven weeks of years and 62 weeks of years. Okay. Seven plus 62 is 69. So there you have 69 weeks of years. So 69 times 7 is 483. From there to there. You with me? It's easy enough, ne? This was the date when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. When Jesus stepped into that water, it was the end of the 69th week, and when he put his feet back on the ground, it was the 70th week. All right, so now this is the, the time period that they say is still coming. But let's see what the Bible says. It says, and after the 62 weeks, so it was the 7 and then the 62, after the 62 weeks of years, shall the anointed one be cut off and killed. What might that show towards? I wonder. And shall have nothing and no one belonging to and defending him. Oh, you can just read Isaiah 50, 53, like a lamb before a shearer is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Not even he defended himself. And the people of the other prince, of the prince, well, the other is in brackets there, it's not in the original text. The people of the prince who will come, destroy the city and the sanctuary. It, its end shall come with a flood, and even the end there shall be war and desolations are decreed. So there's war and desolations that are decreed. So at the end of this prophecy, he says war and desolations are decreed. Okay. After 62 weeks of years shall the anointed one be cut off or killed and shall have nothing and no one defending him. The people of the other prince who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So there's a city and a sanctuary to be destroyed. Its end shall come with a flood. Even the end there shall be war and desolations are decreed. And he shall enter into a strong and firm covenant with the many for one week, seven years. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and offering to cease for the remaining three and one half years. And upon the wing of pinnacle of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the full determined end is poured out on the desolator. Okay, it sounds very complicated. So he says, there's Jesus baptized. That's the last week of years, the last seven years of this prophecy. In the middle of it, sacrifices and oblations will cease. After the 69 weeks, the anointed one will be killed. Okay, so Jesus ministered for three and a half years and he died on the cross. So in the midst of the weeks, Habakkuk says, Lord, in mercy, it says, in the midst of the years, in wrath, remember mercy. Okay? 
So in the midst of the seven years, in wrath, remember mercy. There's the cross. The first three and a half weeks is Jesus ministering, coming to establish the covenant. What covenant? It's not someone is going to come make a futuristic covenant with the Jews and someone will come and break the covenant. No. What is the covenant that was made in the 70th week of Daniel? Well, Daniel was reading Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 34 says, In those days I will bring a new covenant. Okay? Also quoted in Hebrews 8 and in Hebrews 10. And it says, And no one shall say, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least unto the greatest. It says, Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. So that covenant, Jesus came to establish there. Okay. Jesus ministered the first three and a half years in person in the 70th week. The last three and a half years, Jesus ministered through the apostles in the midst of the Jews in Jerusalem. The gospel went to the Jews first and then later to the Greeks. And the end of the 70th week is Acts chapter 7. So this is the first seven chapters of Acts. And this is the public ministry of Jesus. This is where the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the public annunciation of Messiah the Prince. There he is. Three and a half years, the oblations and sacrifices stopped. We just read it in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, once for all sacrifices. Okay, verse 18 we didn't quote. Hebrews 10 verse 18, can we, can we get it on there? It says, where there is absolute remission and forgiveness of these penalties, there is no longer any offering made to atone for sin. Your sins have been atoned for. There's no offerings left. If you don't take this one, nothing will save you. So what they say, what they say, is if you get raptured, because you were a super-duper 16-valve GTI double exhaust pipe Christian with stripes on the side and a, you know? If you made it, great, there you go. In the rapture, Holy Spirit goes with the rapture. Now the ones that left behind must give their own blood as martyrs under the preaching of 144,000 Jewish rabbis that doesn't believe in Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit goes in the rapture. So, for all this time, now, since, they, since the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the preaching of the gospel, could not save someone. But now, miraculously, he will be saved by pouring out his own blood as a martyr under the preaching of Jewish rabbis that did not receive him as Messiah. It's not Christian. It's, it's anti-faith. If the cross, the birth of Jesus, the cross, the death of Jesus, 
the resurrection and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is not the central thing of history. What is? If that is not the central overwhelming context of the whole Bible, then what is? How can this that they preached... They say this is coming. How can this be the focus? But they forget why he came in the first place. So we're not preaching the blood of Jesus. We're preaching get ready because there's seven years of tribulation coming. It's, it's foolishness. Okay, so he says, I'm just going to read verse 26 and 27 again. After the 62 weeks of years, shall the anointed one be cut off and killed? And shall have nothing and no one belonging to and defending him. And the people of the other prince who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So who is the other prince? That is, it is 40 years coming, 40 years of God's patience with them. And that is 70 AD, the burning down of Jerusalem. When Prince Tiberius of Rome came in with his legions from the north, from Antioch, and he sieged Jerusalem, and everything was completely destroyed. So we looked last week at the names of the, the emperors. So Nero just died. And under Nero, there was a guy called, what's his name? Ah. Uh, Cestius Gallus. And he, there was a procurator called Flores. Yeah, Flores. Flores. And Flores and Cestius, they, they besieged Jerusalem in 66 AD. But for some reason, they just stopped and turned. So they, they ransacked the city and they just left. Then Nero died, everything was unstable. It was that one year where all the other people that wanted to take over Rome got replaced by Vespasian. Son of Vespasian, Prince Titus of Rome, came in autumn of 70 AD and came and destroyed Jerusalem. Now, there's a 40-year period between that and that. So Jesus said... In Matthew chapter 23, where is it? Verse. Matthew 23, verse 36, and Matthew 24, verse 34. Jesus said, All these things in Matthew 23 and 24 will happen in this generation. Now, a generation is 40 years. And from the cross to there, 40 years. So they were given time to repent. They would ask him, how much should we forgive? Up to seven times. No. 70 times seven. So how long has he been patient? But they would not stop their demonic practices that they learned in Babylon. That's why Jerusalem Revelation chapter 17 became 
the false prophet harlot that rode the beast. The beast was the four kingdoms, uh, Babylon, Media and Persian, Greeks, and the Romans. They emulated them and brought all their wicked stuff in. O Jerusalem, how have I longed, Matthew 23, to gather you like a hen, gather the chickens. But you refused. You, re you would not. Acts chapter 7, Stephen says, Which of your forefathers did the prophets not persecute? And here you are now, you've just murdered this, the Son of God, the source of life. And they ground their teeth at him, and they dragged him outside the city, and they stoned him. Just as they did with Jesus, but they crucified him. All right. So the false prophet, Revelation 17, is Jerusalem, the city that had to be burned. It says on the forehead, Babylon the Great, but it's a mystery. I'm not going to touch all of it. Yes, you can watch last week. Babylon the Great. Babylon never burned. Babylon was just deserted. Babylon never burned. Jerusalem burned. So she was riding the beast and she was drunk on the blood of the saints. Okay, now, why did I mention Gallus? I got. Sidetracked. Cestius Gallus came to siege and he left. Now, just listen to this. Mark chapter 13, verse 14. Just listen to this. He says, But when you see the abomination of desolation mentioned by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not to be, and let the one who reads Take notice and consider and understand and heed this. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So when they saw the siege coming, every Christian in Jerusalem fled to the mountains to a town called Pella, and not one Christian died in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD because they heeded the, the warning. Okay. So I got something I want to read to you. Just listen to this. Thank you, Rob, for sending this. I wrote it down, but I can't read my own handwriting, so I'd rather read what Rob said. <laughs> okay, just listen to this. It's, an, it's a piece taken out of a history book. It also reveals the stunning fact that the believers obeyed the warnings uh, fled to Jerusalem to a town called Pella and, the, and thus saved themselves. The early Christian scholar Eusebius wrote, The whole body, however, of the church at Jerusalem, having been commanded by divine revelation given to men of approved piety there before the war, removed from the city and dwelt at a certain town beyond the Jordan called Pella. Epiphanes, however you say that, also attested to the Christian escape according to the Bible scholar Adam Clark. The latter wrote, It is very remarkable that not a single Christian perished in the destruction of Jerusalem, though there were many there when Cestius Gallus invested the city. And, uh, he he, and had he persevered in the siege, he would soon have rendered himself master of it. But when he unexpectedly and unaccountably raised the siege, the Christians took that as opportunity to escape as Vespasian 
And then it says, as Vespasian was approaching with his army, all who believed in Christ left Jerusalem and fled to Pella and other places beyond the River Jordan. So they all marvelously escaped the general shipwreck of their country. Not one of them perished. Uh, Pella must not have been the only destination of fleeing Christians, but it was the most prominent at the time. The flight to Pella took place at AD 66 during the attack by Gallus. Four years later came the fall of Jerusalem. Titus laid siege on the capital and his battering rams broke down the great walls. The Jews who were already suffering from plunder, murder, pestilence, famine among, uh, among themselves were easily easy prey for the fire and swords of the 10th Roman legion. The master's chilling words concerning the fate of the temple of Jerusalem were completely fulfilled. Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Mark 13 verse 2. The building the Lord called my house, Matthew 21 13, had stood on immense foundations of solid blocks of white marble covered with gold. Some of the blocks were 67 and a half feet long by nine feet thick. The temple towered 100 feet into the air, fronted by two immense columns. The imposing structure was laid waste with no part of the building left intact. Only a part of the original wall that had surrounded the temple mount remained. Jesus had given adequate warning, and those who heeded the prophecy survived while uh, most others perished. Uh, Pelag continued as an important Christian center for more than 70 years during the time that Jerusalem remained desolate. Extensive ruins of Pella lie near the modern village Tabakat Fall, what they call, in the northern foothills of the Jordan Valley. Okay. Perhaps the mountains Jesus referred to 53 miles north of Ammon and two and a half miles east of the Jordan River. Okay, so flee to the mountains. Okay. The point is, the beginning of the prophecy is 457 when Antiochus sent Ezra to rebuild it. Within the last week, Jesus prophesied a generation so persecution broke out, and from 66 to 70 AD, there were Jewish revolts against Rome, and when Vespasian took over, he just said, finish this. And in 70 AD, Jerusalem was completely destroyed, fulfilling everything that was written in Matthew chapter 23 and Matthew chapter 24. Also in Mark 13, there's also the warning in Luke 21 verse 20, Jerusalem surrounded, destruction nearby. Okay, Mark 14. Just listen to this. Uh, John chapter 2 verse 19. Just listen to this. If people want to rebuild the temple and want to believe in Jesus at the same time, John chapter 2. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Then the Jews replied, It took 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he had spoken of the temple which was his body. When therefore he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this. 
And so they believed and trusted and relied on the scripture and the words Jesus had spoken. Okay. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover feast, many believed in his name after seeing signs, wonders, and miracles which he was doing. But Jesus, for his part, did not trust himself to them because he knew all men. Okay. So the first seven chapters is the last half of the 70th week. The first seven chapters of the book of Acts until the stoning of Stephen. Acts chapter 8, Paul went to Samaria and the Holy Ghost was poured out. Chapter 9, Paul was called. No? Who went to Samaria? Peter. Anyway, 7, stoning of Stephen. The apostles went to Samaria, Holy Ghost was poured out. Acts chapter 9, Paul was called. Acts chapter 10, Peter preached in the house of Cornelius and the Holy Ghost was poured out. In Acts chapter 13, here comes Paul, who they called the apostle to the uncircumcised. And he said, verse 38, he first preached the gospel, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he said, they, because they did not understand the writings, the scriptures that they read every Sabbath, they fulfilled these very predictions by sentencing him and crucifying him. They tried to get him out of the way. And because they were so blind, they fulfilled everything that was written of him. Okay? So verse 38, Paul stands up and he says, Let it be clearly known among you that through this man, forgiveness and removal of sins are now proclaimed to you. Not 60 steps and you must do whatever and then you get forgiveness. Forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. Not forgiveness by any other sacrifice. So he says, and that through him, everyone who trusts in him, believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins. Okay? Forgiveness of sins are proclaimed. And he says, and that every person is justified from every charge from which they could not be justified by the law of Moses and given right standing with God. That's, that's it. Verse 39 then goes on to say. Habakkuk, quoting Habakkuk, Take care, therefore, lest it be said of you what's spoken in the prophets. Look, you scoffers and scorners. Marvel, vanish, perish away. For I will do a deed in your day, which you will not believe, even if it be told to you. Amplified, even if someone clearly describes it in detail to you. If Jesus is not the center of our theology, we are deceived. Okay, so just after that, Paul said, in Acts chapter 30, a couple of verses later, he said to the Jews, you have proven yourself unworthy of eternal life. Therefore now, return to the Gentiles. And he never preached to them again.
they've been given the three and a half years of Jesus. They've been given the three and a half years of miracles of the apostles. And then also, again, there was preached to them, and they refused. They rejected the one that came for their salvation. The gospel went first to them, to the Jews, and then to the Gentiles. So only to the Gentiles because they rejected it. Now, have God, says Romans, completely rejected them? No. Because if the branches were broken, if the uh, wild olive branches could be grafted into the tree and bear fruit, how much easier would it be for the native branches to be grafted back in? So God wants to save all of Israel. The only way Israel will be saved is by faith in Jesus Christ, in the blood. Nothing else brings. There's no other name by which men can be saved. Doesn't matter. Paul said to them, become like I am, like a Gentile, in order that you may be saved. So we need to stop standing on an a natural lineage. Oh, I am son of so, son of so and so, son of so and so, son of Abraham. No, you're not. Because Galatians 4 says the true seed of Abraham is the spiritual seed. It's those who are born again, born from the supernatural, born by virtue of the promise. Okay. So God loves all, Jew and Greek. And he extends his salvation equally to all. Just believe in Jesus. That's all there is to it. There's no seven-year tribulation period coming. The Apostle John wrote, he said, I, your brother, in the kingdom and in tribulation, which means he was in the tribulation. He was already in the tribulation. The tribulation is not a futuristic event. It is done. It is finished. Stop being afraid of it. The fear sells books. Next year there will be another book. The year later there will be another book. And they will prophesy another blood moon. And they will prophesy another rapture date. And it's not going to be true. And they're not going to say sorry. They're just going to sell the next one. Tim Lai and Jerry B. Jenkins with their Left Behind series. People have taken that up into their preaching. It says on the cover, it's a novel. And Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, speak out against novels. Old wives' tales, they say. <laughs> Not to discriminate against anyone. Okay. Daniel is the most accurate prophecy of Jesus and the cross and the destruction of Jerusalem. It's the most accurate, most detailed prophecy with days and dates of any prophecy in the Bible. And people make it complicated. I don't know how. It's plain to see. It fits the, the history perfectly. So, why do I say this? I just want you to get your, back, your eyes back on the cross. Okay? I, I preached the message. 
It's on our end time series thing on YouTube, the playlist. It says, Jesus is not coming to fetch us. Jesus already came to fetch us. John 14 says, I go to prepare a place for you so that I can take you to where I am. So where's that place? It's with the Father. We are seated with Him in heavenly places. He already, short while, took us to Himself so that where He is, we can be also. You know the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is coming back. People say that I don't believe in rapture, so I don't believe that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Because in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, the two men standing next to the cloud when Jesus, uh, the cloud received him out of the sight, the two men stood there and said, the same Jesus will come back the same way you saw him go. So he's going to come back. So next week we'll talk about that. First Thessalonians 4, when Jesus comes. We're going to maybe look at the word uh, caught up. And uh, maybe if we have enough time in one session, we're going to look at the cloud of witnesses. So, be blessed everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everyone watching. Thank you for not shooting me. Or coming to ransack my house or something. I don't know. Excommunicate me. You know? like pitchforks and you know okay right so um, I'm not afraid of anything I'm not afraid of this disease I'm not afraid of the conspiracy theories it's anyway all nonsense I'm not afraid of for or against the vaccine whatever let's look at Jesus Let's just get our attention back on Jesus. Last thing I want to say. In this image of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar saw, there was a rock cut out not with human hands, and it came down, and it hit the feet of the statue, and it smashed the statue into dust. And the wind blew it away like chaff. Until there was not a trace left of it. And the rock grew and grew and grew and filled the earth. And the Bible says the rock is the kingdom of God. The kingdom, Jesus said, sorry I have to explain this now. He came to establish the new and remove the old. Hebrews 10 verse 9 and 10. Okay, Hebrews eight verse, uh, 9 verse 8 says, The way into the true Holy of Holies is not yet open as long as the former tabernacle remains a recognized institution and is still standing. All right? So if we look at the rituals and the old stuff, the way into the true Holy of Holies in the Spirit is not open to those people. All right? So, the old had to be completely renewed. But it could not be completely uh, destroyed, or inaugurated until the old stuff was taken out of the way. There was not one stone left on another. The new was fully established there. This is the kingdom of God. This fits the timeline of Daniel 2 and 7 as well. Kingdom is not in observation, but inside you. The kingdom is simply this the Holy Ghost.
is on the inside of you, God's authority and power.